Let's go ahead and turn into Matthew chapter 10. We're going to get into the verse in just a second. Um, today's theme is about children this morning. I want to really praise the Lord for children. If you've ever worked with children, it's, it's fun to work with them. You never know what they're going to say. never know what they're going to do. And um, we'll talk about this, and there's really a theme, as you'll see throughout this week at Bible Baptist Church, and, and I'm going to give some recognition in just a little bit about those. But as we study this, it's, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've got to understand that God wants us to serve. And, as, and, and it's a choice you have to make, the, the conjunction up there. But you can either choose it or not choose it, but Joshua chose to choose it. And if you read the first part of this verse, it's actually very interesting because he talks about people will say it's evil. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've got to choose what we're going to do. And the words we're looking at right now is to serve. And then when you're, when you're serving something, guess what you become? You're, you, need to be, you need to be a servant. Being a servant, what does that mean? I've, al- I've often said this. If you want to know if you're a true servant, you serve people that can't serve you. They can't serve you back. And what other example would that be of just children? Children cannot give you anything back. They can give you love and admiration, but they can't give you any physical need. They can't give you any monetary value. But, you know, we're still supposed to serve them. Don't ever underestimate a child. It was was said of D.L. Moody one time. He came home from a revival, and someone asked him, "How how many converts did you have? A family asked him that, and when he was walking into his house, he said, I had two and a half converts. And the person said, so that means you had two adults and one child? He said, oh, no, that's not what I mean. I had two children and one adult. Two children have their whole life to serve the Lord. The one adult only has half of his life to serve the Lord. It's all in the way you look at something. And so we've got to make sure we understand that children should be a very good aspect of Bible Baptist Church. And I think it is with some of the things that we do. Um, I want to talk about children. And, And if you were to go back, how many of you went back by the nursery? Okay, there's a runway back there, and there's an airport set up, and there's some, there's some countries back there for Vacation Bible School. And this is all a creation of Josh and Megan, and so we're excited about that. They said you can go back there and look, but the children can't go back there. They can't go back there till tomorrow. So if you want to go back and look at it, I would encourage you, you'll see some stuff out in the activity center that weren't there last week. Or, and it, it's amazing what they can do, the creativity. And also... Josh and Megan are creating things for three people, too, so praise the Lord for that. Amen? Does everybody know about this? I, I, I said I could announce it. Okay, so they're going to have a baby. All right. And it's going to be in January. So now Kelly's been praying for some people to have babies, so, so that her baby's not by, by itself, you know. And so we've got two other prospects. I'm, not, I'm just looking over in their general direction, but we, we need to... <laughs> Kelly is praying and fasting over both you, you couples over here, and so we're excited about it. Mark and Karen, I'm not looking at you. I don't want you to get concerned, okay? I'm looking down a little bit in front of you, okay? But um, the Lord's been good, and I'm excited about this week. Vacation Bible School is this week. Make sure you go back there. If you can't, you, you won't see it during the week. Go, and it will, it, it's amazing. I was talking to Denver this morning. It's amazing how long it takes to put it all up and how short of a time it takes to tear it all down. And you almost want to go, let's just keep it up for a little while. But it's going to be torn down very quickly. So go back and see it. You won't regret seeing the airplane. That airplane took a lot of work. Make sure you go back there. I just want you to see that. So we're talking about children this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at the last three verses in Matthew chapter 10. Then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18. 18, And I want to show you some stuff in this. But 
Matthew chapter 10, as Jesus is talking, he says, He that receiveth you receiveth me, in verse number 40, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. In other words, he's saying, if you receive me, you're receiving, Christ, you're receiving God himself. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's, prophet's reward. And he receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Then he breaks off and he says something that's really not in the same realm as the other ones he's talking about, and he brings in children. In verse number 42, he says this, And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cold cup of water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall, be in, he shall in no wise lose his reward. I can almost picture this as Christ is speaking. There's probably children playing off to the side, and he kind of gestures to them and says, Listen, if you just give them but water, the name of my disciples, they will get a reward for it. You know what he's talking about here? He's just talking about being kind. There's nothing wrong with being kind. Well, God didn't make me that way. Well, you made yourself that way. God wants you to change into being kind. We have to be kind to each other. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here he says, listen, if I just go and get some water, and here's that servanthood, if I just give them some water... You'll get rewarded for it if you do it in the right manner. And, and here, a child, this little child can't do anything for you. But you know when they need something. I was walking into Walmart and I, and I, and I saw a, a family walk in. And bless their hearts, I knew they didn't have much money, but they, they walked really quick because every one of their kids' pants were about five inches too short. I remember when I wore some pants. How many of you ever wore high waters when you were younger? Okay, there's only about six of us telling the truth, amen? I mean, Larry Hilton wore them, but he called them capris, amen? But, uh, hey, I've worn them before, and you know when they're too short. These kids knew that they were too short. My heart broke for them because I'd been there before. We've got to get back and understand, we've got to show kindness to people. There's nothing wrong with helping someone. There's nothing wrong with that. And if we don't do it, who will? But let's look at this verse and, and, and the aspect of it. In, in the words that are highlighted, it says, one of these little ones. It didn't say you had to serve all of them. It says, listen, if you just serve one of them. There are kids out there that don't know what love is. Until you go visit somebody and you see what some children don't have, you'll never have compassion on them. I was talking to Russ and Trish one night about a bus route, and I remember we had two kids that were just terrible kids in California that rode our buses. I mean, they were terrors. And it wasn't until I visited them and saw where they lived that I fell in love with them. I couldn't get to the front door, so I had to go to the back door, and by the time I got to their back door, just on their small porch, I bet I crossed over 50 to 60 bottles of either beer or very hard liquor. And I knocked on the door, and they were excited about someone coming, and then they were excited that I was there. They started talking to me, and then they realized what I had seen to get to their house. And then they started making excuses. Well, they had a party last night, and we didn't get to clean it up, and I remember thinking, you don't have to tell me any of this. Now that I know you go to church, I'm just excited about it. Because these little ones, they don't have everything. They can't help their circumstances. And then Jesus, he, he brings it down, and, 
he, he talks about, in, in Matthew chapter 18, he's going to talk about children. So flip there really quick, and before we get there, I want to, you say, well, I don't know if children ever do anything in the Bible. I don't know what Bible you've read, but I know in the Bible that I'm, I'm reading, I see a lot of children in the Bible. I, I, I love the first one, and people go, well, what are you, who are you talking about, the lad? You remember the story when Abraham had a son? He, he was told he was going to have a son, and he went his own way and tried to have a son the wrong way. And that lady took that child and went out and, and went out to the wilderness to die, is what she said. And she put her child alongside and she, she was crying out to the Lord, crying out to the Lord. And you know what God said to her? I heard the voice of the lad. Didn't hear, he heard her voice, but he was pointing out that lad was important. So that child was used and still used to this day. Not only that, if you go into Moses when he was a child, was he not used? He was supposed to be killed. And God used a miraculous way to get him into the king's palace. And all it took was a little basket floating down a river. And you say, well, that wasn't very hard. How would you like to have your child float down the Nile River? Not a good situation. Many different predators that were there, but they got to see it. Mom even got to nurse the baby, got to spend time with the baby. And as I look at it, how God used Moses later. Not only Moses, you have Joseph when he was young. What did he do? He did many different things. He was cast into prison, and he was young at that time, and God still used him. You have David, when he went, he went and fought against what? Goliath. And before he fought against Goliath, God had prepared him as a child because he fought against a lion and a bear. So these kids were all used. You got Daniel that was taken from his family, and when he, took, when he was taken from his family, he went and he actually told the person who was in charge of him, listen, I can't eat this. He took a stand when no one else would take it. And three other boys followed along with him. And we all know them and they're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They later would stand in a fiery furnace and God himself, Christ himself, would walk with him in that fiery furnace. These are all children God used. And there's always one that sometimes we overlook in the New Testament. There is one called the lad in the New Testament. And I love this boy because he doesn't think as an adult. Let's say this. Let's say we were having a church picnic right after this. It's an unannounced church picnic. We're all going to meet in the activity center. And we're going to see if we, we're going to all eat the food that we have right now. If you had food. What would you do with it? Would you say, Pastor Wagner, I have some Jersey Mike's um, subs on me. See, I'm, I'm pointing that out for you, okay? All right, Jersey Mike's subs. I have one. You can have it to give to everybody. Or maybe Bernard would say, I've got all the biscuits that my wife took from O'Charlie's last Wednesday. <laughs> and you can have them. Is there anybody in here that had just a little bit of stuff, would give it to me and say, okay, we'll divide it? No. But, you know, looking around, I could see a young boy over here that might say, hey, Pastor Wagner, I've got this. Because the lad doesn't think as an adult. And God used him in a miraculous way, and even the disciples didn't think they could do it. So God can use a child. He always has. But he talks in Matthew chapter 18. Let's go to that, and we're going to look at this, and I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to go all the way through the first 14 verses. I'm going to give you five aspects of this story that I want you to see in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 14. 
As we look at this, you've got to, you've got to see what the setting is, how it starts out. And of course, these disciples just never learn because they start talking to him. And, and in verse number 18, at the, same time, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And look at Jesus' response. Did, he, did Jesus hear him? Yeah, he heard him. He knew what they were going to say before they said it. And you know what he does? Look at verse number 2. He says, and Jesus called a little child unto them and set him in the midst of them. Now what's amazing about that story is you've got to understand the disciples' prerogatives. They were there always to protect Jesus. How many times would people say things and they would try to keep them quiet? Oh no, quit yelling, you don't need to yell, da da da, da. And you, you see the stories in the New Testament about it. He was, they were trying to protect him. And just for him alone to bring this child and for this child to come amazing aspect of it but then he starts talking in verse number three and four and the first aspect of a child is this salvation salvation one through four look at verse number three it says and he said verily i say unto you except you be converted and become as little children you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven people have tried to convert um, confuse people with this talking about oh they were already saved. no this is talking about them getting saved if they're going to be converted, look at verse number 4. Whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's flip back over to Matthew chapter 3. And I want you to see this when he, when he starts, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5. In verse number 3, this is the Beatitudes. The first one is this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is talking about salvation. But it says, blessed is the poor in spirit. What does that mean? You've got to get to the point as an adult to have a, have a childlike faith to understand salvation. To accept it. Because what we try to do is we try to rationalize everything. Men especially, they try to rationalize everything. Well, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. But salvation is through a childlike faith. In this aspect of it, he says the word this. He says, humility. Look at verse number 3. It says, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a, as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Where, whosoever therefore shall, what's the next word? Humble. You've got to be poor in spirit and say, listen, there's nothing else I can do. And salvation is for children. And it is for adults also. But we've got to think like them. That's why it's so hard to have someone converted as an adult. I've seen people on their deathbed saying, listen, I don't want that. I'm not ready yet. What's it going to take for you to get ready? As a child, we've got to understand salvation is for them. Don't ever underestimate a child's salvation. Well, I don't know if he meant it or not. He was only nine years old. There's times when people look at me and say, I don't know if he meant it or not. There's times when people look at you and I don't know if they meant it or not. We're not the judge and jury. God is the judge. And I have seen some kids get saved and act totally different. I've seen people's appearances change overnight. I've seen some kids that, that I never thought would make it in this world go off to a college and now in ministry because of their salvation. We've got to come with um, humility. Let me ask you this question. How many of you were saved after you were the age of 20? Would you raise your hand? All right, there's some. Don't be scared. You can raise your hand up high and let me see. All right. Do you realize how many years you lost because of that? How many scars you have? 
The disciples are all concerned about who the greatest is. He brings a child in and says, you've got to think like him. You've got to, you've got to have the humility of a child, of, of this little one that's in front of you. And, I, and I'm sure that's not the reaction that the disciples thought they were going to get. Here's this little one. And all of you that raise your hand, you can still be used, but you have a lot of scars. Amen? I can tell you I have scars. I have spiritual scars of what, what I should have been doing rather than what I did do. Man, we've got to understand that salvation is formed. Verse number four, Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he, and he turns it and says, listen, because of salvation, children need salvation. I like verse number five. It says, And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. The next... The next part, part is serving. We've got to serve each other, verse number 5. We've got to serve each other, and it's wonderful to serve people. Compare it to verse number 1. Verse number 1 asks, who's the greatest? Verse number 5 says that you need to serve each other. So often we want people to serve us rather than serve them. We talked about this. You've got to have the right relationship between God and yourself to serve others because you put yourself first when you're not serving God. There's a lot of people in this room that do a lot of different things. How many of you work with children? Raise your hand in this ministry, somewhere in this ministry you work with children. A lot of people do. And we've got to be thankful for it. You know, in May, May is a blur still to me, amen? Maybe this boot is there just to remind me that I'm still alive, amen? Um, I want, I, I've never done this in a, in a service, but I want Tamara to come up here real quick. Tamara's sitting in the back, look at her. She just, she, just, she just went down three inches. Come on up here, man. Come on up here, Tamara. I'm going to walk down these steps. I'm going to waddle down these steps. The week that we had Awanas, I was kind of in a blur, okay? And I meant to acknowledge her, and I didn't acknowledge her, so I'm going to acknowledge her on Sunday. She even wants to be more acknowledged on Sunday, man. Look at her. She, is, she wants to change this, so we do it every Sunday. Sometime we acknowledge her. But, Tamara, we love you, and we're so thankful for everything that you do. Thank you do you. so many wonderful things, and thank you for your service. You know, it's wonderful to be a servant. The children that she serves, they can't do anything back to her other than give her smiles and hugs. And sometimes that's all it needs, right, Tamara? How many times have you came on a Wednesday night, and some of you don't see all the things that she does. She does all these little themes back there and de decorates everything. They have food. They have, they have things for the, for the kids. She also works in the nursery. And I just wanted to acknowledge her because I see a servant with her. We've got to be servants. And we, can't, we don't need to serve people that can serve us back. Here, look at verse number 5. It says, and whoso, shall, and whoso shall receive one such like little child in my name receiveth me. Do you realize God puts children in front of you to show you who He really is? That's what salvation's all about. It's about a childlike faith. And when you take and, you, and, you, and you're a servant to these kids, guess what? You'll never, you, you can't underestimate what your service means to these kids. How many of you have a Sunday school teacher you can still remember by name or by the way they look? Because they were good. Now, I can tell you this. There are some people that I remember by name and by the way they look because they were bad. I kept telling my dad, I don't like my piano teacher. I, she hurts me. 
And my dad was like, he's just making it up, just making it up. And I was like, I don't like her. I can still, I remember what, I remember the smell of her house. If I go to your house and it smells like that, I'm going to be mad at you, okay? I remember the way she looked. I remember she was a fine piano player, but she just didn't like me. And I kept telling my dad, I said, I don't think she likes me. She hits me with that ruler and I just don't like it. Fast forward 25 years and she passed away and my dad went to the funeral. And remember, I've been telling my dad the whole time. I mean, when I see him, I'm not going to walk up and say, you remember that? But when I was going through it, it really affected me. He walked up to my dad and said, I need to talk with you. Pulls him in another room and says, I need to, I need to apologize to you. My dad goes, for what? Said, because my wife treated your son so bad. She said, he's, he's, the only, she's, he's the only student that she treated like that. I would tell them and my sister, and they'd ask my sister, she went to the same piano teacher, oh, no, she's a great piano teacher. I was like, what kind of, this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I would literally, I would literally shake as I was walking up the steps. I later on would have another piano teacher. I loved her to death. We can't underestimate what our servant service will do to people not only this the third part is um is safety as a church we have to show safety to these children verse number six through eleven it says this but whoso shall offend one of these what what's the next two words little ones which believe in me it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he drowned in the depths of the sea that's pretty detailed. That's pretty detailed. He says, listen, it's better that you just don't exist if you're going to mess up with these little kids. And as a church, we stand behind this verse, amen? It says, verse number 7, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that the offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halted and maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Saying, listen, you've got to take care of a situation. Verse number nine, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that, that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always hold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Pretty powerful verse right there. And then sometimes we'll take this verse out of context, but you've got to understand what he's saying in verse number 11. Everybody knows verse number 11. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's referring back to the children. We've got to see that God wants to save the children, but He also wants safety. And as a church, we've got to show safety to them. On Monday night, there will be a lot of kids here. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. There will be, and it's all about safety. I think on Thursday, they're, they're, they're renting a, a, a blow-up thing that we had last year, and the kids love to do it. But you know what? You've got to have safety in it. Can't say, okay, everybody start in the, from both ends and race to the middle and see who gets there first. There's got to be safety with that, but there's also got to be spiritual safety also. There's a lot of people that believe lies. We've got to tell the truth so that they can see safety in us. So there's salvation, there's, sa there's serving, there's safety. And the next one is searching. Aren't you thankful that God sought after you? 
Go to verse number 12. It says this. It says, How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountain and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more than, the, than that sheep, than the ninety and nine which went not astray. Sunday school teachers and Awana workers, when someone doesn't come, you need to seek them out. They need to know that you care. You never know what they're going through. There are people that should be in the auditorium today that I know that should be here. I don't know where they are. We need to seek them out. Not in a bad way, but let them know that they care. I'm thinking of um, Sharon as she went through this surgery yesterday. She went through a major surgery, a back surgery. And, and you think, well, what can we do? We can write her a letter. We can call her and see how she's doing. Check on her. We've got to seek these people out. How many of you ever lost something? Anybody in here is all the time losing your keys? Boom. That's me. You know what? How many of you have extra set of keys? I do. How many of you have keys at your house that you don't even know what they're for? I've got keys on my ring right now that I don't know what they're for. But you know what? They must be important because they're there. There's one key on there. I have no idea what it's for. It unlocks something. But if I were to lose the key to my house, you know what I'd be looking for? That key. And when I found that key, I'd be excited. I'd be more excited about that key than the other keys that I have in my pocket. Amen? And that's the story right here. He says he's searching. If you're one of the 99, that's wonderful. But if you're ever that one, you want people to know that, the, that people care for you. And here are these children, man, we've got to search for them. They're out there. They just need to know someone cares. So the Bible says in the last verse, verse 13, it says, And if so, be that he find it, the lost sheep. Verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went astray. I will tell you this, working with teenagers so, so many years of my life, there were some teenagers I thought would make it for the Lord and they would be in church their whole life and they no longer go to church. There's some that I thought there's no way, number one, that they ever listened to a word that I said. But those are the ones that are looking around and they're, and they're antsy, they can't sit still, they're playing with things, and I would go up to them and I, and I would ask them a question about my lesson later on, and they could answer every question. They just listened a little bit different than what I listened. And I know some of them are still in church because of that, and we've got to, we've got to understand, we've got to seek them out. You've got a responsibility this week. You say, well, it's vacation Bible school. I'll pray for them. No, you need to invite them, and you know what you can't? How many of you have a car here? Okay, how many of your car runs? Raise your hand. Don't, you mean only five people drove here? You know what that tells me? Your car works, and you can use it for Jesus, amen? Find someone. Invite them to church. Well, that's not my job. Well, whose job is it? One day we're going to stand before God. And who's he talking to here? Go to verse number one. And the same time came his disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They want to know who the greatest, and he starts talking about children. All the way through it, in verse number 14, again, it ends with what? started with salvation, and it ends with salvation. Go to verse number 14. It says this. It says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these, what's the next two words? Little ones should perish. Why did God create man? 
To serve Him. Why did God create you? To serve Him. Why did God create the small ones, the little ones, to serve Him? How much of you that raised your hands that got saved after you were 20 wish you didn't have those scars, that you would not have had those scars if you'd had Christ in your heart? I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't have had some of those scars. So we have a responsibility at Bible Baptist Church. This week, June 10th through the 14th, I can tell you this, that there's been many people. Raise your hand if you've came and you've helped um, do some of the decorating. Raise your hand. I know who you are. Denver, raise your hand. All right, here we go. Raise your hand real high. It, this is the humble hand raising, okay? All right, all over the auditorium, people came in and helped. I'll just give you a little sidestep. If you want to go in there and see the pyramid, the airplane, the hot air balloon, please do not ride the four-wheeler, but you can do everything else you want. But as I look at it, I think, man, as I was t- talking to Jim Pleasant today, he goes, every year I think, I don't think they can do better than last year. And every year they do better. They are so good at what they do. Now, I think he's a little biased to the people that are doing it. But you know what? You, you, if you brought kids in, they'd get excited about what they've done. Everybody knows about that show, The Amazing Race. And that's what the theme is this year. And I want to encourage you, because June 10th through the 14th, just for, for a little advertisement for them, is Vacation Bible School. And the Vacation Bible School is in reference to John chapter 18 about the little ones. We promise it's all about their salvation. We promise it's all about us serving them. We promise it's all about their safety. And that doesn't mean someone might not get hurt. People get hurt going to Walmart. We promise that we will be searching and we'll do everything we possibly can because the sole goal of Vacation Bible School is salvation. See, let me, let me kind of give you, I'm going to teach you something here. Most kids have something, it's called parents. And those parents need salvation also. So sometimes we have to work through the kids to get the parents. But don't ever take it lightly about the little ones. I thought many times when I'd see little kids get saved, it's like, praise the Lord. There's, we have our little hoodlum with us this week. She's sitting up front. I don't know what she's doing, walking around, trying to get up here during the, and, and she grabbed her and pulled her back. That's, that was good, amen. I'm glad you did that. I think it was the influence of the young man that was up there beside her, but um, she's my little hoodlum. And you know what? I pray for two things with her. I pray for salvation. And then the second biggest thing in her, I pray, I'm going to one day in about 30 years be able to look at a young man and say, I prayed for you for over 35 years. God has been good to us. We need to be good to God. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in who we are or what we've done. This whole conversation about little children started as, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It was probably anticipating Abraham, David, Daniel, all these guys in the Old Testament. Maybe they thought they were. If Peter asked the question, he was probably thinking of himself. But he turns around and says, these little ones, we've got to protect them. We've got to be there for them. It's all about their salvation. And adults in here, just think of all the scars that they won't have if they have Christ. They're not going to ever be perfect but at least they'll have that Holy Spirit convicting them when they do things wrong. And that's what Vacation Bible School is all about.
with every head bowed and every eye closed. The first thing that we talked about was salvation. I can't. I wish I could, I could get saved for you, but I can't. Salvation is the most important question you'll ever ask yourself. Has there been a time in my life when I've accepted Christ in my heart? I didn't ask if you knew about him, knew information about him, because even, even Satan himself and the devils know information about him. I ask him if you knew him personally in your heart. That's what it's all about. Get it settled today. You say, well, I've been in church many years. What will people think? They won't care. They'll be ecstatic about you getting it settled. I remember when I got, got my salvation settled. I was in college, Bible college, studying to be in ministry. And there was not one person at that place that made fun of me. They all encouraged me. Same way at Bible Baptist Church. Secondly, if you are saved, many people have put many hours into this and thought into this and Vacation Bible school will not be a success unless you're praying for them. With no one looking around, how many of you would say, you know, Pastor Wagner, every night before it starts, I want to pray for people to come. Because what happens is people say they'll come, and then the devil knows it, and he'll do everything he can to not get them there. Their car will break down. They'll have something. They'll have an extra event they have to go to. They have to do this. There'll be, there'll be excuse after excuse after excuse. We need to pray those excuses away. How many of you in here with no one looking would say, Pastor Wagner, I will pray for them. Would you raise your hand all over the auditorium? Praise the Lord. Thirdly is this. Think about someone that you can invite to bring. What would be the worst thing they could say is, no, I can't come? What would be the greatest thing they could come Hear, hear the plan of salvation, get saved, and be in church. Praise the Lord for that. 